everybody, welcome back to Group Chat, conversations on biblical community. And just a reminder, as always, if you want to access all of our podcast episodes and any other group's resource that we have for you, just go to www.rushcreek.org, go to the groups page, and then click on the resource button. Okay, everyone, welcome back. We are moving on in season three. And we are here today with the Green Oaks Group's pastor, Clayton Aker. Uh, we are here to talk about uh, speaking the truth in love. That is our topic for today. And um, we've said it on other episodes. I'll say it again. We are recording these during the uh, coronavirus uh, shutdown. Uh, so we're not quite sure exactly what the world looks like uh, by the time you're listening to this. Hopefully it's pretty well back to normal, but we have no idea. So we're going to try and help you uh, in these episodes as best we can, whether or not uh, the world is open or not. Uh, So Clayton, thanks for joining us again today, and we'll get right into it. So like I said, we're talking about speaking the truth in love, um, which is something we're always told to do as Christians. Um, It's kind of one of our phrases that we always have. Um, so, but what exactly, what exactly does that mean? Yeah. And thanks for, um, putting this together. I'm going to apologize in advance if you want my dog barking, um, it's of working from home. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to speaking truth and love, um, I think especially in our culture, we, um, as believers, we might know Paul's encouragement in Ephesians five, where it says, but speak truth and love. And we kind of stop there. Um, and in our culture, we've kind of, taking it to man like Oprah and other self-help people are like your own truth. And it's kind of a, a license for indifference in some places. Um, it's, but we kind of say, just speak truth and love. What we're really sometimes saying in our culture is, and I want to speak my perspective of what the truth is. And, um, I saw this for first in the movie, uh, I, Tanya, I don't know if you've ever watched that. Um, or Tanya Hart, it's the story of Tanya Harding and the incident with Nancy Kerrigan, but it paints Tanya Harding in a, in a different light than what really kind of happened. And so we see this in revisionist history, um, kind of go on that I can speak the truth that I want people to perceive to be true. It's not, it's not objective. It's definitely perspective. But when I look at Ephesians four or five, yeah, four, um, where he says, but speak truth in love. Let us grow into the head who is in Christ as believers, that truth that we're speaking. Um, when we speak truth in love, it's it's gospel truth. It's God's truth. It's God's way of seeing the world's truth. It's God's design for the universe. Um, and that's what we mean when um, Paul is saying truth in love so that we can grow ahead of Christ. It's everything that pushes us into becoming more like the person of who Jesus is. Um, and so that's, I think, speaking in truth love is is helping people mature encouraging them exhorting them at times challenging them to become more like the person of christ in every aspect of their life and not just my own personal truth that i think is true about the world yeah yeah that's good so for a for a group leader um kind of operating in that mode how do they know when it's time to um address a conflict or um, maybe a, a sin that's become present in their group? Kind of how do they, how do they work that out in their own group? 
Yeah, in any relationship, this is going to happen. Um, conflict's going to arise. You're going to see the longer you journey with people, the, uh, the the more sin you're going to see kind of place in their life. And um, it doesn't mean that as group leaders um, or as pastors, we're there to like, be a police and make sure everybody's living an appropriate life or like um, you know, private eye looking for every sin. Um, but when these things do become present and they're starting to affect the group, you see it's affecting somebody's um, walk with Christ as well, or their relationships with other people in their group, or um, you kind of been sitting in a group meeting and you've you read the body language and they're being a little bit more passive aggressive, or um, sarcasm has started to become one of their uh, main languages that they're using. They start to criticize a little bit more, justify some actions. It might be to have a, a difficult conversation um, and have some um, good what Jesus would call peacemaking process with them of, hey, let's really get down to the root of this issue, what's going on in life. Because um, conflict is a part of every relationship. Um, and I personally think when you are loving people deeply and you're journeying with a group of people and you're investing your life into them, conflict is going to be more prominent in those that you're closest with uh, because you moved past just this layer of superficiality with them to a deeper level of trust and and relationship who are now getting to know the, the issues of our lives and that's where conflict's going to come up but it's when this happens it's a it's a credible source of um intimacy to be intimacy with each other it's a it's an opportunity to play the gospel of, of reconciliation um and it provides this opportunity to to glorify god and stir like i said earlier to become more like christ and so as a group leader, you know, it's time to address in when um, you start to see kind of reactions. And um, what I, I kind of put into three reactions when I know it's time to some conflict with people. I, I, I know it's um, one of the reactions is, are they ready to fight? Like when people start to run um, towards conflict or a disagreement, these kind of the people who um, slow down enough to, to understand all the issues, but something has wronged them or somebody has said something in the group that they don't agree with. And so they just come out swinging. Um, and this looks different because people fight differently. Some use the silent treatment, um, start to justify or complain or deny. Um, the other one I, I look for are people fighting. Do they, or do they, do they want to flight? Um, do they want to flee the conflict um, and run away from the relationship? And so, um, this might be that group member that they went silent in a group because something was said or, um, you know, a party was thrown and they didn't show up that way. They didn't know. And so you don't hear from them for a couple of weeks. They just left the group, um, and ran away and they're avoiding actually bringing their hurts to the group or, uh, do you, the group will freeze. Like you, as a leader, you'll see people just freeze and they know there's some tension between some personalities in the group, but no one's doing anything about it. And so you just kind of stay present in that. Um, so as a leader, um, what I want to do is, is assess the situation when I know it's time to address conflict. Um, and I think that always starts with ourselves. Um, First, um, in the log out of our own eye, as Jesus would say in Matthew 7, I want to consider um, my attitude, my, my biases. Am I being overly critical or negative? Am I, um, am I in an overly sensitive attitude towards people that I'm look, looking for unnecessary conflict? Uh, I really want to start with myself um, 
And so I'm not using um, this conflict as a way to, or approaching somebody as a way to manipulate them. Um, but the second thing, as I assess the situation of what's going on with, with my group, um, I want to kind of ask some questions because I think it's wise and appropriate to overlook some minor offenses. Uh, Proverbs 19, 11 says a person's insight gives them patience and his virtue is to overlook an offense. Um, and so I, I work four questions and um, they are, is this offense seriously dishonoring to God? Um, has he, has this offense permanently damaged a relationship with, with people in the group or, or with me or with somebody else? Um, is it seriously hurting other people or is it seriously hurting the offender themselves? Um, and so as a general rule, an offense should be overlooked if you can answer no to all of these following questions. Um, if you can answer yes to, to some of the, to these questions, even three out of four of them um, or one out of four at the time or, um, or the process of how are going about having a conversation with um, this person where that conflict arises, whether it's, between you and a spouse, you and a group member, or you mediating between two group members, you um, leading into in their lives and saying, okay, hey, let's, I see some things arising um, that, and speaking, it's, it's dishonoring to God. It's damaged those relationships because obviously y'all aren't talking or, um, so how can we pursue, um, how can we pursue intimacy with, with Christ and with each other in this? And so, Looking over minor answering, asking these four questions um, is, is when I think it's time for a group leader to start to address the conflict if they can answer yes to this offense seriously dishonoring God. Has it damaged a relationship group? Is it hurting people or is it seriously hurting the offender themselves? If yes to any of these, it's time to have a conversation. Um, I will put a little caveat here. Um, this or having a group covenant is beneficial for you as a as a leader and as a group because it kind of sets expectations of when these types of conversations are going to happen. Uh, so, um, I know in one of our resources we talk about a group covenant, and so if you don't have one of those, I would I would highly encourage you to start to invest into a, developing a group covenant together so that you can set clear expectations of what this process looks like for your group. Yeah, <clears throat> and you kind of you kind of uh, alluded to it some in that answer, but we'll kind of press on a little more specifically. So when a leader decides that it is time to have one of these talks or address one of these issues, um, kind of what are some guidelines that they could follow or um, just some advice that you would give them on exactly how to approach that? Because like you kind of alluded to, every situation is different. Um, so kind of mm -hmm. how can they operate in something that could look, have so many different faces? Yeah, I will say this again and reiterate this. First, start with yourself. Um, like even um, no matter what the conflict is, is I always want to start with with where I'm at. Like what what attitudes and and um, especially if the wrong was done to me, I want to come from a place of forgiveness first um, and not address conflict without already forgiving the person is is offending. Um, I think that's critical. Is because sometimes we'll go in. Uh, guns blazing, have an offer forgiveness and, and forget that, um, man, we've been given forgiven so much. That's the place that we should start with um, conflict resolution is already in a place of forgiveness. And um, forgiveness is different than reconciliation of the relationship. And the this all part of the peacemaking process is, is forgiveness, um, 
a means of, of coming in, owning our side of the street and then reconciling where the relationship is, is strengthened and restored, but in a new, a new way. Um, forgiveness is that first step. And so when I forgive somebody, I want to release myself as a judge of that person and of this offense. Um, and I think of a great story that I was reading about two peacemakers who, who were visited a group of Polish Christians 10 years after the world world war did. Um, and they asked these Polish Christians, Hey, can, um, would you be with other Christians from West Germany? And, um, they were these peacemen, the, the West Germany Christians wanted to ask for forgiveness for what Germany did to Poland, um, during the war to build a new and build a new relationship. And, um, the story recounts that the Polish Christians were just silent and they're asking, and they said, what you're asking is impossible. Our streets are soaked in po- Polish blood. We cannot forgive. But that group, before they left, they prayed the Lord's Prayer together. Um, and they the part where it says, forgive us our, as we forgive. So everyone stopped. Tension filled the room. Um, and the man who spoke to earlier said, I, I must say yes to your I can no longer pray to the Father. I can no longer call myself Christian if I refuse to give. Human Humanly speaking, I cannot do it, but God will give us the strength. Um, and so 18 months later, they met with a group of West uh, German, Western German Christians. They met in Vienna and they started a friendship that still continues to this day. And so forgiveness is the place that we start. Um, it's this place where we're coming and we're receiving the forgiveness of the Father that He's given to us and we're expanding, we're giving that to them. So I start with myself. I start in a place of forgiveness and then when I, I approach the conflict, I want to have a strong desire to, to encourage, comfort, to build up those who are um, in this um, conflict with me. Um, that's, this is Paul's encouragement throughout the New Testament. His letters in First Thessalonians says, encourage one another, build one another up. First um, Timothy 5.1, not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers. Second um, Corinthians 2.7, you should turn to forgive and comfort him, may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to refrain, uh, to reaffirm your love for him. Um, and so when you're doing this, you're wanting to use this as an opportunity to build the person up and not tear them down and feel um, terrible for their actions or their sin that they're committing, but to reaffirm them as a, a son or daughter of the father. And so some guidelines from that is um, I'm taking the next uh, few steps from um, Pete and Gary Scazzerzo. They wrote a great book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, um, and they have a um, some chapters in there on conflict resolution. When things happen like this, what are some other steps you, you should take in the actual conversation? Um, the first step is, is ask permission to state the problem. Um, I'm never going to go into somebody and just start welling them. You did this. You hurt this person. I want to come in um, a trust with them and ask if I can have a minute to chat with them and just say, hey, I noticed something going on. Um, and so I'm going to speak into a, a situation that happened between me and a group member, um, somebody in my group I love dearly, the, the friend. Um, but when we were first starting our relationship, um, I used to be an extremely sarcastic person. I still wrestle with sarcasm and my vocabulary um, slowly. Um, but with this relationship, I was extremely sarcastic at first, and they thought I didn't like them. Um, and so he came to me. He's like, hey, can we have a minute to chat? Um, I noticed that sometimes you say these little sarcastic things. 
um, and it, it hurts. And so they started why it was important. That's step two. They they asked for permission to to talk with me. They they stated the problem, what was going on, and why it was important to them. Because um, he's like, man, I want to have a a relationship with you, but I feel like you don't like me. Um, and so just, then he went into step three when he started to buy it. Um, and so it, he came and he asked permission to see the problem. He said, it's why it's important because he wanted to have a relationship with me. Then he in this following sentences, hey, when you are using sarcastic language, when you say things like that, I feel like um, you don't like me. You don't want me to be a part of the group. Um, and I just had to sit there and listen um, as, a, as a listener and take this in. Um, I didn't want it to, to defend because I wanted to give him the, um, the ability to express what he was feeling. And so he stated it clearly, respectfully, and simply, hey, this is what's going on. You're very sarcastic with me. Um, and so that's kind of the first four steps in this little process. And the, what I had to do was listen to that as a listener and then restate what um, I was hearing him say. That when I use sarcastic language, he feels that I don't want him in the group and that I really don't want to be his friend or have a relationship with him. Um, and what we can do going forward is me not be so sar- me not be sarcastic, me be clear in my language, um, me start to use my speech a little bit more um, in a, a respectful manner because um, sarcasm is a way to just to mask some pain or some hurt sometimes. And um, I wasn't meaning to do that, but it was coming across that way. Um, and so I restated that clearly to him and we that's where we were able to move to step six, as Gary and um, Pete would say, is that we agree to the request or we offer an alternative and yeah, let's just, let's just start over. No more sarcasm. We'll be good. Um, and so we agree to the, then um, step seven is we recircle back a couple of weeks later and just say, Hey, how, how are we doing? Like, am I doing better with my sarcasm? Do I need to change some things? This is what we agreed upon. Is it, is it working out? We, we check back into the and doing so our, our relationship has, has grown flourished. I'm not as sarcastic anymore with, with them. Um, and so I think going through those steps, um, that Pete and Gary scares, there's a, when you start to have those conversations, the leader is, you're, you have trust and, and relationship built into these people and you don't want to abuse that to manipulate that to get the people to do what you want. You want to lead them on a path to to grow and encourage them to walk more in the way of Christ. And so that's what I, that's how I would start that conversation as a leader, asking one-on-one we have this. Um, or if, it, if you're dealing between two members, hey, can we get a boat together? I noticed some things going on between y'all. I want to walk through. And so now you're just doing this as a leader with two people saying, here's the things I noticed going on between y'all. And when y'all do this, um, this is how it affects the group. Um, and so as your leader, I feel like um, you start to state the request. I like to ask y'all to to start to discuss what's really going on um, and not leave the room or be passive aggressive towards each other. Here's what I think is, is reasonable. What do y'all think? And have them talk. And um, if you're able to walk away with the request, then um, circle back up. We say, hey, how y'all are doing? Um, so that's what I would start with as a leader is, is that process is looking at yourself, forgiving first, um, forgiving all parties that are involved, wanting to build up those who are you're having these conflicts conversations with, and then walking through this process of um, asking permission to the problem, why it's important, 
stating it clearly, respect to the respectfully, um, considering a, a level of agreement for y'all, um, having the listener, um, speak back into it and then take the time just to review later how y'all are moving this process of peace and reconciliation forward. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll, we'll close with uh, one more question. Um, so when we, we have these conversations, if they go well and they're receptive, kind of like the example that you give, people are pretty, you know, it might be a little awkward at first, but people can kind of figure out how to move forward and kind of start to put it behind them. Uh, I think the question a lot of leaders would have, though, is what happens when you sit down and have a conversation like you just have, but it goes bad. The person's not yeah. receptive or there's miscommunication or who knows what. Um, our, our closing question would be advice on how to handle this issue when it doesn't go the way we hoped it would. Yeah. And I think that's some, that fear right there is sometimes that is what paralyzes us into not wanting to approach conflict and to avoid it. Um, it's because what if it does go bad? Um, and so first I have to say, uh, we have to remember that God does not measure our success in this or any success in terms of results, but in terms of faithful obedience. And so as leaders, um, it's disobedience not to step into when we see um, conflict happening and not be a peacemaking agent in that. Um, and so what my encouragement is when it does go bad, both to the leader and to the group member, um, you should stay and accept disagreements as part of being in God's new family. It's going to happen. Um, we're not I, we're not always going to see eye to eye in every issue. Um, there are some of what we would say are essentials we should always hold um, hold closed hand with those. But there's are some things that we should be open handed with and say, okay, it's okay to disagree in this area. Um, Colossians three, Paul encourages us to make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Forgiveness is such an integral part in our discipleship to Jesus. It has to be in all of our relationships. If somebody offends us, we have to be quick to forgive. That doesn't mean we're going to allow people to abuse us or to talk always talk down to us. It's not going to mean that we have to stay in a relationship. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation or, and it's not for getting the, the issue at hand. It's not sweeping it under the rug, but it's the first step in the peacemaking process. And it's, it's so crucial for any relationship to be, to have forgiveness reign in there. Um, the second, I would say, don't give up um, in finding a, a biblical solution. It's not, some are not going to be easily resolved. You may be tempted to say, well, I tried every biblical principle I know. I, I tried this and just didn't work. It, and there's no other way to handle this. Um, and we might just be closed off to, to it. But as a follower of Jesus, we can never close ourselves off to the Bible. We can never close ourselves off to what the Spirit's doing. Um, and so when we try to resolve conflict and we don't receive the results we desire, it should drive us to seek God even more earnestly than before. Um, and so go to Romans 12, um, this is 14 through 21. Um, and kind of just read through there because Paul gives us five, he gives us a lot, but there's kind of five things he, he encourages us to do and, um, to have a hospitality between believers, to keep the Christian community, which is one control your tongue. 
Another one is seek godly advice. Continue to start to to go to the past to, to a pastor to bring other people into the situation. Um, seek some good advice. Um, keep doing what's right. Do what you know is right. Love on this person. Um, serve this person. Um, recognize your limits instead of retaliating. Um, recognize that you might have certain limits that you can set with this person in this conversation. Um, but then use the ultimate web weapon, deliberate, focused love. So there's going to be difficult conversations. Um, people are going to, sometimes people, com- people want to leave a group because of conflict. But what they do is when you leave a group because of a conflict between you and another person, between you and another leader, you take that broken relationship, all those issues you have with that leader or that person, and when you go join another group, you bring all of that baggage with you. You don't leave it behind. Um, and you might say, oh, I've forgiven them. I forget that. But something is going to happen in that new group that's going to bring up all that hurt back because you because you might not have taken the chance to pursue, pursue, uh, pursue reconciliation in um, that initial first group. You're going to hurt that second group and the people there. And you're going to lead a path of hurt people along the way. Um, and so when it doesn't go well, um, keep pursuing and pressing into God to know, because I think as we press into God and want to pursue him, the speaking truth and love so that we can grow into head of Christ, um, we have to make sure that we're growing into that way. So difficult conversations will never go away. They're going to happen. Um, but the way we have these conversations can set us apart from the rest of the crowd. It can either draw our attention to um, to Jesus or push us away from Jesus. And so um, stay in it. Um, and when it doesn't work, go to Romans 12, control your tongue, seek godly advice, keep doing what's right, recognize your limits and use the ultimate weapon that you have deliberate focused love. Yep. Good stuff. All good stuff. Uh, Clayton, thank you again for joining us and thank you guys for listening in. Uh, Again, we apologize for maybe some less than stellar audio uh, as we try and navigate this crazy uh, pandemic that we're in. Uh, So we appreciate your patience and we will catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the group chat podcast. For more information, just go to www.rushcreek.org. Go to the groups page and click on the resource button.